Welcome to the Invisible India podcast. I'm Jessica. And I'm Abhishek. We are a cross-cultural couple doing life in India, exploring the lesser-known mysteries of Indian culture, interviewing fascinating figures who have chartered new territories, and sharing life as we raise our multicultural family amongst the complexities of modern Indian life. Hey everybody, how the heck are you guys doing? Jessica here. And Abhishek. And before we get into Ask Us Anything Part 2, we wanted to check in. How is everybody doing? Where are you at in the world? Are you on lockdown? Are you like, are you in your semi-lockdown? How do you feel your country is handling COVID-19 stuff? Are you working? Are you out of work? We're just really curious to hear from you guys where you're at, and we wanted to share what's happened with us the last couple weeks in India and where we're at now. As I'm recording today, it's the 27th of March, Friday. We are at home in our city today. We have an interesting story. We basically were traveling for work stuff between Holi and when stuff really started to get crazy here a couple weeks ago. The day of Holi, actually, we left for our work trip. I had some medical stuff I'd get taken care of in Delhi. So we're like, all right, things are definitely ramping up in India with coronavirus, but we really need to get this stuff done. And let's see, it's not that bad yet. All of our stuff was still on the calendar. Our flights were not canceled. There was no changes there. So we went ahead and went to Delhi. And we were just super cautious. We stayed pretty to ourselves with the exception of our appointments, avoided public places. We were feeling pretty good about that. But things started getting heated up while we were out. Yeah. Basically, everything started hitting the fan. Yeah. Yeah. And as we're sharing our story, you know, obviously we know that there are people that are really, really difficult situations, people who have literally have lost their jobs and don't know how they're going to make it through the next month. So we're not saying any of this stuff to like complain about, oh my gosh, we have such a terrible situation. But we just wanted to share just what life is like here and what life is like for us. When stuff started to get crazy, we had to change our hotel a couple of times. We were trying to get an Airbnb and that was a lousy situation. We had to get out of there and go to a more clean environment, place where we're going to be totally by ourselves. Basically what happened, and we were trying to finish up our medical stuff. We got an email from the embassy that basically said, you know, be prepared. Transportation shutdowns could take place at any time with little or no notice. They're like, okay, so something's about to happen. And this was on the 20, I think the 19th, I think. We're like, all right, we got to go as soon as we can. We booked a flight for the 21st. Making a long story short, the 21st flight got really screwed up. There was a little mistake on it, and we had we lost all the money on that flight. Couldn't fly that day. Then we found out the 22nd was going to be all, like, complete curfew, janta curfew, like nobody leave your house. And we knew at that point, okay, something's coming. Things are about to get completely shut down. This is going to be a test for what's to come. We're like, we need to get a flight ASAP. And we wanted to respect Jantha curfew and not fly on that day. So we decided let's stay in the hotel. It'll be very miserable for us being in a hotel room, but we're going to stick it out in the hotel room. We're going to respect the curfew. The 22nd itself, we found out that our chief minister had requested all flights going in and out of our state to be canceled. And we started to sweat. We're like, we got a flight 
Monday, we had a flight the 23rd. Is this going to be canceled? Is it going to be restricted? We didn't know. The night of the 22nd, before... That was the day of the lockdown. The day of the lockdown on the 22nd, we heard that the border between... The border between Haryana and Delhi was going to close at 6 a.m. And our flight wasn't until 1 p.m. So we had to get across the border before 6 a.m. is what we thought. We didn't want to take the risk to not get let through. And plus all the taxis were shut down. I mean, it was like the stuff was shutting down really fast. So we contemplated getting a hotel right near the airport the night before. That didn't work out. We couldn't book. Yeah. And Uber and, Uber and Ola, the two main peer-to-peer cab providers, they canceled their services that morning that's what we do take here it's quite affordable maybe like one dollar to two dollars short distances short distances even long distances Mm -hmm. so basically we decided that since we couldn't get a hotel on right on the correct side of the border near the airport to get home we left our hotel at 5 15 in the morning woke up at 4 30 got the kids just kind of like thrown into the taxi with all of our stuff packed our things and got across the border Waited in the airport for seven hours, which in and of itself is kind of a terrible idea when it, there's a pandemic going on and there's germs everywhere. But we just had to do what we had to do. So we didn't know if our flight was going to be going that day or not. We're pretty sure it was, but we also heard that it might not be going and we just were nervous. So we went for it. Our gate was announced. We knew we were pretty sure we were going to be able to get home. We got home. We got on our flight. It was a full flight, surprisingly. A lot of people trying to get home. The next day, we heard Modi G is going to address the nation. Let's find out what's going to happen. Flights were all canceled, even domestic flights that evening. There was no way to get around anywhere. Buses were shut down. Trains were shut down. Private vehicles you could still drive, but they were stopping people left and right. Taxis, all that stuff. Yeah, everything was shutting down quickly. And that night when Modi G addressed the nation, he said from now, basically from midnight onward, it's going to be a 21-day lockdown. We kind of figured it was coming, but we had just gotten home. We had done some stocking up that day because our pantry was a little sparse because we were gone before that. Got everything we needed to do, and so basically we're ready to go for a couple of weeks now if we, for some reason, can't get fruits and vegetables, kind of main things we need. feel like we're in good shape now. So yeah, we're at home like every, most everyone else in the world, and if you're not at home, you probably should be unless you're an essential personnel We hope that the lockdown does lift on the 14th of April, but we wouldn't be surprised if it gets extended after that. Where we're at, for ourselves, we're not as worried. We have so many vulnerable populations here in India, and we are we are concerned about that. You do not want to be found traveling when when during this outbreak. Everything becomes more stressful because you cannot escape or or control your environment. Where you're going to stay? Where you're going to get the food for the day? Where you going to get the transportation you have no control this is before the lockdown started in india traveling has all these like contingencies and outside factors so i was very nervous and i'm realizing after getting back here of how vulnerable you know situation it is to be traveling and that is the, you know the right reason why people shut down travel yeah and, and, and tell people to go home and just stay home. Because at home, you have some of the major, like, basic infrastructure for your life. And traveling and sleeping and housekeeping person coming in and cleaning. And you never know. And you need, like, say, bottle opener. Or you need a, whatever you need in a hotel room. It's not going to work out for a, for a coronavirus situation. It's going to be, you're putting yourself in danger. And even when we were 
with friends, um, that was the only time we were safe. It's with our friends who we knew were also taking precautions. But even that is not advisable in this um, environment. And India, those of you who have been to India, epidemiologists are very concerned about India because India is that kind of country or South Asian countries are like that kind of countries where thousands and millions of people live on top of each other in slums and in close proximity and in a joint families. So basically the virus resides in people and community community transfer is not even a separate theory here. It's like people live community community here. So the community community transfer is like what is, is quite possible here it is very much commonplace living here so so far we don't know what the situation is in india if things are underreported or what is happening we have had only like 20 deaths some like seven or eight hundred cases so far but that number could be 15 20 100 times more we don't know at least we're at our house at least we have everything that we need mm -hmm. to survive and we should have that for next three four weeks mm -hmm. So life in India is very dependent on people coming in and out of your house all the time. You know, you've most people have multiple helpers. Like even our neighbor has, I don't know how many staff, six, seven staff mm -hmm. that are coming into the house. One person has like six, seven different staff coming in and out. It's the driver, the gardener, the person that walks the dog, the person that does medical checkup on elderly parents, one lady for cooking, one lady for cleaning. Uh, you know, there's all of these different people that are coming in and out. So when you don't have when you don't have any of those support services, it, it can become really tough. At least in our city, we don't have things like dishwasher or dryer or any of those things. So you have to do a lot of things by hand and you have to really put in a lot of effort. There's not like canned food or frozen meals you can buy. Everything is from scratch. It is a good self-discipline and self-sufficiency exercise for this time, and we're just trying to appreciate and enjoy that and have our kids also participate in managing the house and helping us out. So I think it's a unique time, but it is definitely a tough time for all of us. We can learn a lot about ourselves and learn about each other, learn some new things. So jumping to our episode topic today is Ask Us Anything Part 2. Many of you wrote in on social media asking questions about us, about our life here, about adjusting from India to the U.S., U.S. to India, Western culture and Indian culture. How do those two mix? What are the clashes? What are the points of harmony? First up, we have Raja from New York. What do you love most about India? I can answer first. Short answer is the people. I really feel that Indian people are some of the most warm, hospitable people on the planet. It doesn't always mean that there's not a in intention, a different intention behind some of those warm feelings, especially when people don't know you or if it's a stranger meeting you. But I think just the hospitality, people are very curious to meet other people. And I think there's a lot of, of things that are quite different in the U.S. as far as the way people socialize, which which make me just so intrigued about the culture here and being here since, you know, 2006 on and off, being been welcomed into so many different communities and, and being able to form deep relationships with people, which I find are so precious. So that would be my quick answer. Hmm. Yeah, since I grew up here, I have childhood memories and I have 
my comfort foods that I get more easily available in India than in America. But yes, here you can find food everywhere that I actually like and that I actually grew up with. So there's that element. People generally have time for you. They generally have time to chit chat or time to catch up. Generally, that's true, but there are very, very busy people also. And there are people who have day long responsibility who don't get much vacation. But you will also find people who have a lot of time and who would share a lot more things with you. If, you know, those are people every day you can connect with those people in your daily life as you go around. So there's that. And in America, sometimes people are tend to be busy or they don't want to disturb other people. There's, there's this sense of that, like, I'm either like really busy and I don't have a lot of time. I, everything is like t- slotted, time slotted. Or you just don't want to bother other people. So a lot of people just like don't approach other people for no reason and things like that. So there is that element of like this back and forth communication that is a lot more fluid here. But I, but then I do miss uh, the friendships in America. And I feel like I have stronger friendships in America in some ways. Close friendships and great friends and people that I can share anything and everything with without a lot of like just holding not 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 need to hold back it's just so i feel that way mostly and where we live this part of india i may not have as many friends that are from here but i do have some next question from leaf in thailand what are the biggest points of cultural harmony between americans and indians what are the biggest points of cultural tension in general oh that's a good one um i would say the biggest points of cultural harmony are that I think that U.S., if you're talking about Americans and Indians, are all very capitalistic. I would say people are very innovative, and I think that everyone wants progress. So I would say that economic progress is something that's desired by both. It's like embedded in the people, which I think is something that is a cultural harmony. Yeah, so when I think about harmony, I think... I'm thinking more in terms of political, economic, rather than just like social, cultural. So, yeah. So I think, you know, India is a big country. U.S. is a big country. So some of those common things apply. Like people from this state may not know anything about faraway places like South India. So there could be some sort of ignorance, whereas that could happen in America, too. Like you you live far away and you don't travel, then you don't know much about America because America is a very large country. Honestly, the democratic process is a little bit similar. People don't get free health care here. And uh, yes, poorest of the poor people here also have free health care. Everyone can go to the government hospital, but most people choose not to go to the government hospital because the, uh, the situation is not very good in those hospitals. So people go to private hospitals. And so do in America. Generally, people go to hospitals and they have insurance and it's expensive. It's similar here. It may not be as expensive, but for most people it is. <laughs> So, yeah, so there's some similarities there. Cultural dissimilarities or biggest points of tension. Just, I think, going back to our last question, highlights a bit of that is I think most Americans are really okay with being alone. People not being in their business. (laughs) People having privacy and having the ability to be alone and do their own thing. And here, people mostly are not like that at all. Everyone is in really embedded in each other's lives. 
people are really involved in what each other are doing and you're kind of seeing each other every day meeting each other every day and I think that's one reason you know going back to the coronavirus COVID-19 thing that's why this is so critical for India to get this right this social distancing samajik duri it almost sounds like a cuss word you know samajik duri like samaj se dur nahi rehna hai samaj se ekdam paas mein rehna samaj ke saath rehna that's kind of like what are people going to say about me? What are people going to think about me? People are so embedded in thinking about the society is really important. And then now we're saying to like be far away from society. It's kind of against everything in Indian culture. <laughs> what do you think, hon? What's a, a point of cultural tension? Point of cultural tension. There are many, many, many cult- point of cultural tension. Of course, you know, you get, you have some textbook answers, of course, of, of how people think, how their brain is wired. Mm, basically, the brains are wired differently. Of American people and Indian people, the way they grew up, the way they understand their own identity in the world is different. That's just a very deep conversation and very complex of how, what makes us really, really different. But a simple answer is that the fact that, that you are not allowed to make a decision based off of some other person's whims and fancies, that's what Americans might call it, that is not acceptable in America. Like you make your decisions and other people live with it. You basically are independent and as a as an adult you make those decisions and here there are multi-dimensional angles to make a decision you are always thinking about what the other person is going to think or will they will that be approved within the family or within this within the society within the greater extended family unfathomable for people to even understand how americans make decision and it reflects in the way we get married, the way we do all the parties, everything that we do is, is, is molded by the way our brain is wired. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, that's a simple answer. That's a very, very broad topic. Individualism, independence versus collectivistic mentality, making decision based off of what your parents think, what your society thinks. And that would be considered uh, very um, impressive uh, in, in, in Western countries. Uh, that's some tension that I see. And that's always a funny thing to me, too, because it is uh, interesting when Westerners want to follow Indian religions because because that is the tension that comes into picture in that case, because Indian religions are not just like set of doctrines and set of set of things to believe in or practices to follow. It is also the way you move and live in the world, the way your brain is wired to think about family. And and it is difficult for a Western person who does not come from that family and doesn't have those exact values to, to embody that religion unless you actually, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to extract yourself from your family and just have a nuclear unit and, and you're just going to live in a commune. Even that would be an Indian thing to do. So you have to have ima- reimagine a new identity, whichever, whatever. Now, now people have reimagined what it means to be new age community or a hippie community or whatever it is. It's, it's like Western people or some Indian people who uh, may not embody their Indian identity as much and they, they relate to more individualistic values. They can then take on some of the things from whatever Hindu civilization practices are and then 
merge them together and create this third thing that usually Indian people cannot relate to fully. So, I mean, I'm just saying that there is a tension between the, I think it's a whole thing, like in India, the religion, the mental makeup, the way you move around in society, the way you think about yourself and your values, what decision you can make. And the religion itself is embedded into it or the or, or vice versa. For a Western person to take on that uh, is a big responsibility and sort of can create uh, this third identity that you will, that you're not going to be Indian. That's a good point. But I think some people sometimes think by taking on that identity that they're Indianizing themselves, but <laughs> they're really... To a certain extent you are, but you know, it's not going to be because you're not part of the fabric. You're not part of the overall fabric. But then there are other... It is possible that you're from an Indian family or Indian, maybe a Muslim or a Christian or Sikh who goes into another religion and then you may, none of your family members might be in that religion. So yeah, it is possible, but I'm just saying in general, it is difficult when you, your, your family is not living the collectivistic culture mm. and you didn't grow up in a collectivistic culture. You don't think about yourself in a collectivistic way and you don't make decisions based off of what your parents and your uncles and your cousins and, and what your society thinks. The very fact that you even want to adopt Hinduism in India can, can, can be hint that from a collectivistic mindset as um, many Western people are allowed to think about for their own happiness and for their own for their own self and make any decisions, spiritual decisions, economic decisions, family decisions, marital decisions they want independent of their extended families and caste and race and all of that. So generally, that's true. And which is a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. And a lot of times that is cherished in Western culture. That is not the reality in India. And it is difficult to embed, uh, to just take on the religious side because you have to in some way, somewhere reimagine the whole thing and in some way somewhere you have to fashion this third unique thing which is now understood across the world that western people following hinduism is it has to be its own category of religion it has to be its own category of thing okay next question what american experiences do you wish that your kids had well I've become painfully aware of the fact that the outdoors culture doesn't really exist here <laughs> as it must, as much as it does in the U.S. So as we're in our apartment, I know I've seen my friends in the U.S. are like going on walks and, and social distancing and all this stuff. And they're out, you know, that's just not allowed here, you know, at all. You're in your apartment, door closed. But literally what the prime minister said is, you know, Darvaza band, apne ghar mein band rehna. And so it's like you have to actually be inside your house. So sorry to keep bringing it back to the coronavirus thing, but it's just on my mind a lot. So police are enforcing here too. If you go out on a walk, you will be stopped or you might be, you, you will be asked to return home or you will be even beaten one or two sticks. You know, police here have sticks, like wooden sticks. Low-level police in India have wooden sticks. And they are known for like what they call it, lati. And they're known for charging it on you. That's called a lati charge. We hear reports that uh, some people are being beaten even for going out for essential services or providing essential services because the police doesn't know what is an essential service and what is not essential service. 
So now they now they're talking a lot about that. Um, but police here is used to not using their brains, just using whatever power they have. So so back to the question: Can you imagine what Americans would do if you told me they had to stay inside their house for twenty one days and couldn't even go in their yard or out on the street? If you couldn't go outside of your door for 21 days, what do you think people would do? <laughs> I don't know. We might get there sooner than later. I think I think parks, good parks and cleanliness because the safety of the for the kids on the streets here is limited. Cars don't stop for the school buses. When school buses are dropping children, there is no one trying to stop the cars generally, at least in our part of India. There might be some other rules in other parts of India. But because of the crowd and the population, people are afraid to let their children on the street because nobody's going to stop. Cars don't stop for pedestrians unless you jump right in front of it. Parents have to stop and let the cars through a lot of times. I think if we had more safety on the road and on, like, Kids can go out on their own and play somewhere. But I think that age range of, of kids allowed to go out on the street is, is, is higher in India. Like you may allow an 80-year-old to go out into a park and in America maybe. But here that might be like 12 years old because the safety on the streets is a lot worse. Similar to my answer is the outdoor freedom factor. I think um, uh, from... What we can tell is that um, the teachers don't have the right training here in schools for to teach little children. I would say even most teachers don't have good training to impart teaching to the little children. Part of it is just the overall education system here. You can just study at home and go for exams. You not you don't really need a lot of labs, teaching labs, and observing. St- teachers and students the way you learn about teaching and handling students is almost uh, absent so basically you read some books and you go and give an exam and you get your teaching license teaching degrees that means you're very very under qualified to be teaching next question how do people react to hear jessica speaking hindi (laughs) Uh, i would say most of all that a lot of people are surprised and sometimes people get confused if I'm Indian or thing that I try to redirect to is that it's not about me, that I didn't learn just for myself. I really learned to to understand society here, to understand other people. So I always try to take the conversation that direction rather than people are always so curious about me and, oh, how did you learn this, that, and the other thing? And I try to redirect it to, oh, okay, well, what about you? Like, let's actually have a conversation rather than just drill down on learning about me. (laughs) Next question from Carolyn in the U.S. What American luxuries do you get to make your home in India work for you? Hmm, well, I have a list of American luxuries that I'd like to get to make my home work for me. I saw a friend last week had a dishwasher, and that just blew my mind that you can even get those in India. But in our part, you can't. So um, maybe I'll have one in a few years once they come to my city. That would be amazing. I guess it depends on defined luxury. So is a clothes washing machine a luxury? 15 years ago, yeah, it was a luxury. A geezer was a luxury in the town where I lived in. Air conditioning was a luxury. And now AC is a a lot of people have 
air conditioner. Probably the lower economic strata do still do not have air conditioning and water filters, but most people do. Middle class and of course more the more wealthy definitely have those things. So I guess it just depends on what what you define as a luxury. So I would say that a lot of people here think a car is a luxury. A lot of people here would say that air conditioning is a luxury, water filters a luxury. Having an extra bedroom is definitely a luxury. And so these are all things that I've realized that I need in my life is just a little extra space. Being an extra room to have guests is something that I would, I guess, consider a luxury compared to what most people have. And all those things I mentioned, like having an air air conditioning. It's not central AC, of course, like we have the US. My floors aren't carpeted. I don't have like super nice materials of like really nice dishes or anything. And part of that's just because I'm in the phase of life where, you know, we can't have nice things because our kids break every single thing we have. So I think maybe if you ask me in five years, I'll have nicer stuff. But I mean, I'm just in the place where a steel katori works fine because the kids are probably going to break everything else. So we, we try to source things locally. So whatever we can get locally, because that's when you can maintain it well. And that's when if something breaks, you can replace it. So I usually don't like bring a lot of things from outside to um, for my home. Um, the one thing I did bring from outside that most people don't have here is a Vitamix, which is if you guys don't know what a Vitamix is, it's like a really nice blender. And I use that thing for everything. I'm a big smoothie drinker. So Abhishek's looking at me right now, like rolling his eyes. But that thing has like a two horsepower motor, and if you, it, it oftentimes like trips out our electric system here, and we have to go restart our fuses <laughs> from using that. So that would be one, just small things like that, which I've brought to make my life more comfortable here. And I think that's gone throughout the years. Like the first couple of years I was here, I really did the things here that I would have considered a luxury before. Now I probably don't just because I think when you're new and when you're just adjusting, it's good to adjust without electricity and with power cuts and bathing in cold water. Like those are things that are good to get adjusted to so that later on, when you're more comfortable in in society in general and more adjusted in general, you have these nicer things uh, and it's not like, and if it's taken away from you, then you're not devastated. So I think that a lot of people here live that way where you know how to do your housework, you know how to cook, you know how to clean. And if your maid doesn't show up, then you have that skill in your, in your skill set, or, you know, you, you, you aren't so devastated if your power goes out that, you know, you can't live without your fan or your TV or whatever for a couple of nights. So I, that would be my answers on the question. And for Abhishek, as he's looking at me, he, I would say probably your coffee. Yeah. You love black coffee. (laughs) Yeah. He's nodding black coffee is his thing specifically dark roast so that's one of the things his american luxury even though you can get a lot more coffee in india good coffee in india now but he's very picky about his black coffee last question from inga in germany where can you live a more fulfilled life india or the u.s hmm (laughs) the answer is neither place and both place Basically, I think my take on this is that as long as you have meaningful work, relationships, basic necessities of life met, what what you value in life is met, then I think 
you can live either place or be miserable in either places. If you really value relationships and time with people and and you're in a stressful job, then that could be very difficult even in the US or here. Really depends. I feel like we are in this season of life or doing something meaningful. So it is fulfilling, uh, but I also think that we could uh, have a fulfilling life in the States too, as long as it was in, 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 in vocation, because we spend like 60 or 50 hours a week commute, with commute and everything. We spend so much time in, at work. So I think work is a big component. Friends, amount of time um, you're spending, uh, spending stressing over certain things of life. And if you have a way to like serve others and if you have a way to help others and that can happen in either place in both places really i think that's my short answer there might be other angles to it i totally agree with that and would say yeah both place neither place that pretty much concludes our episode of ask us anything if you haven't listened to episode number 31 ask us anything part one we talk more about our story about a lot of the questions people ask about our relationship family stuff like that and then this section was more about our lives in india let's keep this up do you guys want to do this again let us know would this be fun do you like this format write to us on social media. You can also email us at invisibleindiapodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Stay in touch as much as we can through whatever medium we can use right now. We are going to get through this together. I really appreciate just personally each person that listens to this podcast. And I just am so thankful that many of you write to us and connect with us. So yeah, keep doing that. Take care, stay home, stay safe.